Welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. This is the Attack on Titan special event. In honor of the epic conclusion to the show that defines this generation of anime, we're reviewing every single episode of the final season. This week, we're reviewing episode 76, Judgment. As always, there'll be spoilers about anything that's happened in the Attack on Titan anime, so you've been warned. Man, hearing that opening is music to my ears. It's been a while. It's when, been quite a while. When did part one wrap up? Like a year ago or something? I think it wrapped up last March. Oh, okay. So it premiered a year ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's been a minute, but man, is it good to be back. Man, is it good to be back with our Attack on Titan special event with part two of the final season. All of our favorites are back. I don't know, man. There was an ass in this Some episode. of our favorites are back. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, let's fucking go. I have my... Attack on Titan hoodie on for this recording in celebration. So you're channeling that that scout energy. Yes. But yeah, before we get into it, thank you so much, everybody, for rating us on Spotify, leaving us the the awesome ratings that you did. Um, we've been asking you guys a couple times now if you have the time, if you listen to us on Spotify, to leave us um, a rating on the iOS or Android apps because it's the only place that you can do it right now. Um, just because it helps us out a ton to have those ratings and helps us to gauge, you know, if we're doing things right with our podcast. Uh, but it seems like so far everyone's been enjoying Strictly Anime. So yes, if you uh, are listening to, uh, to us on Spotify, if you haven't yet rated us, um, if you're open to doing so, we would greatly appreciate it. Yeah, please dedicate your hearts to reviewing our, our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, as Courtney said, thank you for reaching out and giving us that feedback. It, it does mean a lot to us. And on to Attack on Titan things. Like we said, it's really good to be back. We're so happy to be bring, to be bringing back this special event. Um, for anyone who's not familiar, if you're just joining us for the first time on this part two review series, we originally had this Attack on Titan special event when part one of the final season premiered. So we highly encourage you to go back to some of our older episodes um, and tune into our episodic reviews of part one of Attack on Titan because there's a lot of stuff that we talk about. We go real deep into the lore and into each episode um, and it would be probably a good refresher for a lot of people before we really get into the meat of things with part two because I don't know. I I didn't do a rewatch, but you did do a rewatch. And Mm -hmm. I felt like there were a bunch of things that popped up in this uh, first episode of part two where I was like, oh, shit, that's right. That was a thing at some point in Attack on Titan. So do you feel like doing your rewatch of part one of the final season was really helpful? Yeah, definitely. Especially because I wrapped up my rewatch, I think, the night before the premiere. So a lot of what happened was was fresh in my head uh, going into this first episode of the second core. Because uh, I remember I, I was kind of reminding you of things that were happening in this episode along the way and giving you context. So it did benefit me a lot just having that rewatch this whole week prior to the, to the premiere. And I think I said this on another podcast, but just rewatching those episodes, I think I, this is probably like the second or third time I've watched these they still felt epic and I was still getting chills down my spine at all of the climactic parts and again watching this this new episode I got all those feelings back and it was just fantastic 
And in addition to that, um, we both watched the Attack on Titan OVAs. There's three sets of them. And I don't know why the fuck we never watched them before. These are really good OVAs. Um, not all of them hit super hard, but the majority of them do. And it's not like other OVAs, which are just kind of like fun, extra content. If you want to keep, you know, watching a story um, after the main shows ended. But this is like... These are OVAs that have, I think, significant meaning to the overall story of Attack on Titan. They may not change anything, but they play into some of the big things that that happen in this show. So we do want to touch on that um, in just a bit before we get into today's episode, 76, Judgment. Um, but I do want to also call out uh, the, the poor souls who only have access to like Crunchyroll and Funimation, you know you're witnessing something great in anime when an anime premiere crashes multiple streaming sites. Mm. Luckily, we have um, a couple different streaming sites, including Hulu. And I think Hulu was pretty reliable. We didn't have any issues watching um, right at 2.45 Central Time yeah. when it premiered. But Twitter was ablaze because Crunchyroll crashed. I believe Funimation crashed. Um, some pirating sites, I think, even pirating went down. Sites. So uh, <laughs> you'd think that they would be ready for the demand that you know we can all anticipate with Attack on Titan premiering, but not uh, not so apparently. The last time I heard this kind of news, I think, was back when Game of Thrones' final season yeah. was was upon us. I remember for us with Game of Thrones, we were able to watch it at the premiere time, but it started to slow down and it would yeah. just start buffering in the middle of the episode and it was extremely frustrating. Um, so I can only imagine the frustration a lot of people were experiencing relying on those sites, them going down for multiple hours. They even, I think those companies even tweeted about the crashes and that they were working on it um, and then just feeling a little bit behind the ball when everyone else watched right as it premiered. But hopefully they'll be prepared for the next few uh, the next few weeks. I'm surprised they weren't prepped beforehand because everyone knows that the uh, Attack on Titan, the final season, it's an event. Like yeah, everyone's talking about, it, even people outside of the anime community. So I would have thought these streaming sites would be better equipped to handle the bandwidth. But I guess they underestimated and thankfully hulu was fine we ended up watching it there um i like to watch it on hulu just because it's, it was the first platform that we watched the attack on titan on um but yeah i can't imagine the Crunchyroll and funimation users who had to sit there and just see uh what like a 404 error on their <laughs> on their apps or whatever yeah, I don't know, man. Hopefully they learned their lesson because that's not good. I mean, Crunchyroll, Crunchyroll's great, but tech-wise, they're not always the the best. Um, they're not always the most reliable. So I don't know. I kind of I kind of felt this was gonna happen, but like you, I'm surprised they did, they weren't more equipped knowing what was coming. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, let's get into the OVAs. And one thing I want to call out because we are returning after several months without Attack on Titan. And this is something that we brought up quite a bit in our part one review series of the final season. But I do want to remind everybody, because this is also a reminder for us, that in Attack on Titan, because it is so tightly written, really no bit of dialogue is ever wasted in this show. And I'd love to keep this kind of um, analysis going like we did for our part one, part one review series where we pick apart every little thing each character says. Because there were a couple things I noticed in this episode that I feel like 
could be hinting at something, you know, what a character is thinking or what, you know, foreshadowing what how things may play out in the future. So I definitely want to bring that back, which I'm sure we'd do it either way because you and I like to dig deep when it comes to these reviews. Yeah, I'm actually glad you mentioned that because there is one piece of dialogue that still has yet to be addressed. I think it was from the end of season three. Um, so I need to make a mental note of that as we continue going through the rest of this season. What was it? I feel like I remember us talking about this or whether it was on the podcast or not. But it's good to bring it up now because we can all together kind right. of keep an eye out for it. <laughs> you can email me if I forget this um, <laughs> next time. But it was the part in season three where I think the scouts are going through Grisha Yeager's memories, uh, Aaron's father's memories. And there's a point where... Kruger, the owl, um, who had the original attack titan, I think before transferring his powers, he mentions, I think, saving Mikasa and Armin. Oh, yeah, that's by right. Name. And yeah. then he's like, I have, he says, like, I have no idea why those names came up. I don't know who these people are. And that still hasn't been addressed, I think, in the series yet. But I feel like, obviously, with these being the final 12 episodes, it's going to come up at some point. Yeah, I, I'm sure there's no plot line or earth thread that will be left kind of dangling out there by the end of the show. Um, I have full faith in the creator and, and the writers and everything. Um, but yes, that's a great reminder. I, I completely forgot about that. But yeah, we talked about that multiple times um, when we talked about part one of the final season. So I'm glad that you brought that up. I'm sure there'll be other things that pop into my head that were kind of left open-ended um, after the first part of this final season. So we'll, we'll continue to revisit that stuff. Um, but let's move on to the OVAs. Um, I guess a quick recap for anyone who is less familiar with the OVAs. There were three sets that have uh, come out across, um, you know, Attack on Titan's run. The first set of OVAs came out in 2013, and there's three episodes. They each kind of follow a different storyline. The first one, um, and I don't know if you have the titles in front of you, but the first one follows um, Levi and Hanj as they're hunting down a, um, what do you fucking call them? An abnormal An abnormal. Titan. Yeah, the title is Ilse's Notebook Notes from a Scout Regiment Member, episode 3.5. And so they follow this abnormal titan because Hanj wants to capture it or whatever. And um, essentially what happens is the notebook contains the final moments of a scout who was um, eaten by this abnormal titan. And the scout being as dedicated as they were, wrote down every little bit of detail, including the moments before her death. Like she's, she wrote down like, my head is now going inside of the Titan's mouth mm -hmm. and it smells like this and it feels like this, um, just so that she could record that um, because their interaction with that abnormal Titan was very interesting. Do you want to explain what the Titan did? Yeah, I think I discussed this with you uh, prior to our recording um, because after I did my rewatch of the first part of the final season. I went down a rabbit hole by reading the Attack on Titan anime wiki. <laughs> and and just for clarification, because again, we, we only know what happens in the anime. So mm -hmm. technically that's all fair game what you read in the wiki. That all plays yes. out in the anime, right? Yes. Okay. So thankfully the Attack on Titan wiki splits up articles between the manga and the anime. That is smart. That is great. Yes. <laughs> so I made sure that I was looking at the anime canon. Um, but what I had found out is that the reason that this abnormal Titan is so drawn to Ilse, because you see in the episode that he carves out a hole in the tree and places her in that hole 
kind of as like a like a shrine where she's kind of seated as if she were royalty. Um, the reason that he did that is because he or the Titan believes that Ilse resembles Emir. And the Emir that I'm talking about is is not the one that started the whole Titan curse. Not uh, the blonde Emir. Right. The one from like the the recorded legends, but Emir from season two, um, who we find out she was like her real name is unknown, but there was a, a religious cult that called her Emir because they thought she resembled um the original wielder of the curse or whatever. I remember it as she's the brunette Emir that was good friends yeah. with Astoria. And so I think this Titan was originally part of that cult and when they were discovered by who we now know as Marlians or the Marlian um, uh, military, they were sent to that wall, they were transformed into Titans. So I think this Titan had retained some bit of sentience or or knowledge about their previous life. And so they acknowledged Ilse as, as Ymir. Um, but obviously... Out of context, the scouts didn't know what this meant, and this was something that piqued Hanja's interest and um, I think helped her plead her case about capturing a Titan to perform or like to do research on it. And because this OVA came out in 2013, I don't think we as the viewers even knew what the fuck that was all about, right? Yeah. We didn't find out about Emir, Burnett Emir's backstory until season three? Season two. Season and this, two? yeah, the, these first OVAs, I think came out in uh coinciding with season one so that story wasn't even brought up yet this this first episode this particular ova episode has got to be my favorite of all the ovas it was insanely good i i was so impressed and i i was mad at myself for having never touched the ovas up until this point it blows my mind that they gave us this level of of critical detail to the story of attack on titan i mean Emir, we're going to find out more about Emir, I'm sure, as as part two goes on. But, you know, Emir plays a very significant part in the overall lore. And the fact that they just kind of drop that on us in season one, it's crazy. But they did the same thing multiple other times um, throughout Attack on Titan. So it's not anything that's surprising for Attack on Titan to do. It's mm -hmm. just mind-blowing every time we notice it. And I'm sure, like, once this premiered, again, no one knew the context of this story with Emir. So we were... Whoever was watching this OVA uh, originally was probably like, "What the fuck am I? What the fuck am yeah, I?" Who's an Emir? Like, yeah. what's going on? And it's also yeah. kind of interesting because this reminds me of Connie's supposed mom um, when Connie mm -hmm. goes back to his village with Sasha, I think. Uh, yeah, I forget who he went. Um, but he goes back to visit, and his town is completely decimated. There's a bunch of titans, and there's a titan laying on top of his house, unable to move, and it calls out to him, and we all assume that that's Connie's mom turned into a titan, which I think we get con like soft confirmation about that later on um, in the first part of the final season where they mm -hmm. confirm that they did go and test this out with Zeke's like bodily fluids on a town. Yeah, But it's interesting that, that, that his mom seemingly was an ab abnormal titan who was able to reach out and like call out to her son when she saw him similar to this titan who mistakes this um what's what's the character's name Ilse. Ilse as emir and essentially worships her for for a hot moment but if there's one ova episode you absolutely have to watch i highly recommend this particular one it's the very first ova episode um it's just very well done overall it was super intense and just watching this the scout record everything like from her her whole her, her whole survival moment 
to her death when she's literally about to be eaten by this titan is super intense um i i really enjoyed it but moving on the second episode in the set of ovas is pretty simple it's uh, it follows um jean and a cook-off that he goes on or he like battles sasha in some sort of cook-off or whatever Mm -hmm. it's a really goofy episode probably the like the most silly and um I don't know, like off the wall episode in all of Attack on Titan that I've experienced. Yeah. It kind of felt like Wit Studio was like, guys, you've been doing a great job on Attack on Titan. It's a super serious episode. We're going to give you one episode to just do whatever you want. <laughs> like, just just run with it and have fun. Um, but it's just essentially how Jean and Sasha became friends. But what I appreciated about it is because it follows Jean's story. If you watch the opening, they replace all of Aaron's shots with John. <laughs> it's so <laughs> funny. I'm like, what the fuck is this? And he's one of my favorite characters in the show um, alongside Mikasa. So I really appreciated that episode. I think my favorite shot from that warped OP is the very last shot where it's Aaron and he's about to attack the Colossal Titan. And then you see Aaron, or not Aaron, you see John looking back at him. Um, but he's taking up most of the frame. So yeah, like, he just <laughs> the, jumps in the frame. The attention yeah, focuses on him. <laughs> it's um, so funny. Yeah, the title of this one, it's episode 3.25. So I think this actually happens before the first OVA uh, titled A Sudden Visitor, The Torturous Curse of Adolescence. And yeah, this served like no canonical purpose besides establishing Jean and Sasha's friendship. But man, this was such an, an entertaining thing to watch and just so hilarious which you don't really associate that synonym with watching attack on titan but it was great yeah it was and then the third um episode of this set of ovas was i don't know it follows the scouts as they have to do this like recon mission of sorts um they have to travel out to a certain point and bring back an item i don't know i i kind of went over my head um but it was okay It, it was it was worth the watch um just to see another mission that the scouts went on the cadets rather right because they were still in training at that point yeah they still had the like the sword emblem on their uniforms so yeah that's representative of the cadets but it's i think the point of this one is to show how aaron and john kind of like figured out how to work with each other and how the whole team um of cadets turned scouts figured out how to work with each other in order to protect one of their own and complete their mission and stuff. So it was it was nice, um, but it, it didn't blow me away like the first one. Yeah, this one is episode 3.75, so um, the latest chronologically in that first set of OVAs titled Distress. Yeah, this one I think was just a, an example of the scouts' teamwork, or at least, again, these most of these cadets turn into the scouts, and we see their camaraderie throughout the series. So this is kind of like a precursor to the this sort of teamwork and strategizing that they do. Um, so yeah, not as I would say not as impactful as again the first of these OVAs, but still interesting. Then the second set of OVAs came out in 2014. Um, the localized title is Attack on Titan: Birth of Levi, and these two episodes follow. Levi in his origin story, um, how he meets Erwin and how he joins the scouts. And was this one after season one or season two? I think this came out after season one. Because if you remember, there was that lull between season one and two. Yeah, where Um, they made us wait forever. Yeah, because I'm reading Wikipedia and it says season two came out 
um, in 2017. And these OVAs. Oh my God, it was that <laughs> big of a gap? Man, we had patience. Yeah. So I think the first of these Levi OVAs was 2014. So it was like, it was meant to help us like cope with the weight, I guess. But hey, it was uh, a weight well worth it. But anyway, these two episodes, um, the first, they're they're sequential and um, they follow Levi living underground. Um, no mention of Kenny or anything, but essentially like when he became more independent from Kenny um, and then he meets Erwin and then Erwin convinces him to join the scouts and then um, Levi loses something very important to him. I, I don't want to go into like two major spoilers. Um, and then he gets some big motivational speech from Erwin and then decides to join the scouts permanently. What's interesting, though, is that this OVA also has some some hints at some future events. One that I noticed specifically is in the final moments of the second episode of the, the OVAs, um, Erwin is giving his speech to Levi and he says something to the effect of like, you know, you're going to lose a lot of people in this battle, but you can't regret it. You just need to keep moving forward. But as Erwin is saying that, there are two um, ODM gear blades on the ground that essentially make an X. And it's a mm-hmm. shot where it's like you see the two blades in the X form. And then just in the distance beyond that is Erwin, essentially showing a big X over Erwin. I think hinting to us that he is going to die later on in the story because he's literally telling Levi, you have to be prepared for people to die that are important to you. And Erwin has a big ass X over him. Yeah. It's crazy again, to this, me. This happens before Erwin's demise in season three. Yeah. So great foreshadowing with this OVA. I was just like, are they really doing this to us right now? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Attack on Titan is the one show that gave us the entire fucking lore of the Titans in the ED when we didn't even realize it. But uh, yeah, I would say this this set of OVAs is is well worth a watch. And I think the the symbolism with what Erwin tells Levi here about not only like that he'll lose people important to him, but also not to have regrets in the choices that he makes, that's also reflective of what happened with Erwin's death and Levi having to choose between Erwin and Armin and giving one of them the Titan serum so that they could consume Bertolt's uh, Colossal Titan. So yeah, a lot of just great exposition and lore building uh, with Levi's two OVA episodes. Then the last set of OVAs is called Lost Girls, and it came out in 2017. So this would be like in the midst of season two. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, midst of season two. And I think it had like an original OVA at least for, yeah, for both Annie and um, Mikasa. There's um, three episodes total. The first two follow Annie. Um, it's like the day before she turns into the um, the female, female Titan, Titan yeah. and fights Aaron. Um, and or that, kidnaps Aaron. Or kidnaps Aaron in that whole big arc that, that plays out. Um, and she has to go on this like rescue mission or search and rescue mission to find some dude's daughter who's missing and blah, blah, blah. Honestly, it was okay. Um, it was fine. It's, again, another one that's worth the watch at least once. But did it play any importance to the bigger story? Not really. It was just kind of showing us what she was up to in the military police. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was fine. It was basically Annie's day off. Um, she, but not really because she yeah. was still working. <laughs> no, yeah, I think she wanted to work just to keep her mind off of like the mission that she was doing. Because mm-hmm. if she 
kept doing or if she just had her day off at home resting and thinking about it it would have driven her crazy um so yeah most of these two ovas for annie they seem just inconsequential even considering the outcome of the search and rescue mission um it it just seemed like she was fucking around yeah (laughs) Uh, the third episode of this OVA set follows Mikasa, um, and it plays out technically when she thought that um, uh, Aaron had died by getting eaten by the Titan before they realized that he had Titan powers, before he even realized it, actually. And she like is about to get attacked by those two Titans when she's stuck in that... Um, I don't know, that street. It's hard to describe, but you know what I'm talking about. Like right before the attack Titan shows up to rescue her, mm-hmm. um, that's when she kind of like goes into her inner mind and wonders how things would have played out if her parents had never gotten killed, um, but if her friendship with Aaron still happened. So it's all just kind of like a dream sequence. And again, it was fine, worth at least one watch. Didn't play much importance to the overall story, but there was some, at least one thing I picked up on. Because before she goes into this dream sequence, she's standing on the on the wall looking out towards the distant, and she's talking in her inner monologue, but she says that she feels like Aaron is going to go away someday, like somewhere far away, and is going to be gone for a while. And I'm like, oh, well, well, he does. does. He? <laughs> <laughs> like, he straight up does. He leaves you guys for quite some time to go to uh, Marley and dick around for a little bit. So that was another bit of foreshadowing, I like to think, was intentionally planted there. Yeah, even though this was basically like a, a Marvel's what if episode, um, <laughs> the thing I took away from it is that even even with Mikasa envisioning a different reality for the trio, uh, I think what it was symbolizing is that Aaron's fate is is still sealed, no matter what the outcome is. Because they keep talking about like you'll you'll never be able to prevent his death, like mm-hmm. his. His death is inevitable because at that time she thought he had died because he gotten he had been eaten by that titan. Um, so I don't know. It was just it was fine. It was interesting. Yeah. Well, with that, those are the OVAs. Um, those were some of the hints that we picked up on, and that just shows the rewatchability of Attack on Titan. I cannot wait after part two, after the final season has ended, after the story has ended, to go back and watch it from the very beginning because. My jaw dropped when I found these little hints just in these OVAs. I can't even imagine how bad my mind will be blown with the things that they infuse throughout seasons one through three that basically tell us what's going to happen in the future. I want to just watch it to pick out those little things. Yeah, I kind of wish I would have watched these original when they were originally released um, kind of blindly so that I'd be caught off guard about what's happening or why certain characters are tra- are saying certain things, but obviously that's not the case. Um, but for those of you out there um, who need something else to watch that's related to Attack on Titan um, in tandem with this final season, or maybe you want to complete this final season and need something to fill that void in your life, uh, definitely check these out. I think these are all on Crunchyroll. Um, yeah. Under like their OAD section for Attack on Titan. All right. Well, with that, let's move into the main event, episode 76, Judgment. Do you want to take us through the synopsis and then we'll dive right into OP and ED? Because I, I have some things I want to say about the OP and the ED. Oh, I do as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, let's go ahead and jump right into our summary for Attack on Titan, the final season, episode 76, Judgment. 
Get ready to Shinzo Osasageyo, folks, because the titan of all anime is back for one last ride. Low Rise Levi, however, is not. As Metal Gear Hanj cradles her fallen comrade in the aftermath of his Uber Ride explosion in the previous core. More like No Rise Levi, am I right? Concurrently, Waka Flocka and the Jaegerists gawk in awe at the resurrection of Zekus Christ from a disintegrating titan womb where he recounts a vision of his body being reconstructed in a magical place by a mysterious girl. Metal Gear Hans uses the distraction as an opportunity to escape with Lorai's Levi and engage in her own version of whitewater rafting, as Zeke's Christ resumes his journey to have Titan tea time with Eren. Speaking of the Jägermeister, our pessimistic protagonist has pulled himself into a pretty prodigious pickle as Operation Marleyan Mayhem is underway in Shigan Shonen Jump District. Peek the Putrid brings gung-ho Gabby back to General Maggot and her comrades, while Porco Pig's jaw titan keeps Eren at bay. As Gabby spills the beans to Maggot about Zeke's Christ's hidden titan power, Reiner joins in on the fighting festivities in his armored titan garb, though the warrior titan's double team is not enough to stop emo Eren's angst. Before Eren can grant Reiner's suicide wish, however, Peek the Putrid engages in crowd interference by firing her cart titan's anti-titan cannon, giving Reiner the upper hand and boosting the morale of Marleyan soldiers as they play a brutal game of duck hunt using Jaeger's bodies as targets. Amidst the chaos, Onion Coupon rushes into the HQ dungeons to release the imprisoned scouts and Trattoria Niccolo NPCs, imploring them to insert their arcade coins and help Eren beat back the Marleyan baddies. The scouts are initially wary of trusting Onion Coupon because of the bullshit that the anti-Marleyan volunteers pulled, but he manages to convince them that he didn't know shit about Operation Eldian Vasectomy. The scouts squabble amongst themselves about whether or not to boost their NBA stats by giving Eren an assist, but Armin has a big brain time and reasons that only the real Mr. Eren Krabs would scoff at something as stupid as Operation Eldian Vasectomy, and is probably using Zika's Christ and Yelena as a means to another end. Nonetheless, Eren's fate hangs in the balance as the scouts continue their attack on Titan, and Reiner continues trying to turn Eren into a Titan donut. Man, do I miss these stupid nicknames for all these characters. <laughs> Waka Flocka. I know I forgot about all of these, and Peak the Putrid, I, yeah, you, you do not like Peak. We... Yeah. We forgot about that one, but yes, that, well, that is clear. <laughs> I will say that of the two of them, fuck Gabby more. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, Gabby. and if you're joining us for the first time, we are uh, we don't like Gabby here at uh, Strictly Anime. <laughs> As I'm sure most of the community do, uh, community does. And if you haven't given that track a listen, fuck Gabby by Krissa SJE, please do. It yes. Is, it is a bop. It is so good. It encapsulates how we all feel about Gabby. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about the OP. Um, it's not linked to Horizon. Let's just start off with that. It's not linked to Horizon. Um, it's good, but it can never compare to linked to Horizon and the epicness that their songs evoke. I mean, they they literally created the national anthem of anime, Shinzo Osasageo. How do you get any better than that? Why did they not come back? Yeah, and you know what? I'll, I'll give them a little bit of credit. Uh, this OP, the title of which is The Rumbling by Sim. S I M. Oh, I thought you said simp. I was like, damn. No, okay. No, simp. So capital S, <laughs> lowercase I, capital M. Again, I always talk about how Japanese bands where they come up with these names, but uh, it, it's still a great OP and something that I vibe to, but it does not feel epic. And so, yes, I am 
devastated that Linked Horizon wasn't invited back to do the final OP. Or maybe they were, but there was a reason they couldn't come back. I don't think anything's been announced or clarified about that, right? Yeah, I know Twitter, there were some Twitter users that were clamoring for why Linked Horizon wasn't chosen um, to perform the final OP. I remember reading an article somewhere about Attack on Titan uh, where the journalist was mentioning that Linked Horizons OPs, they're like, they're no longer synonymous with how big the world of Attack on Titan has gotten since it's no longer humans versus Titans. It's basically Titans versus the entire world. And this definition of good and bad is not clearly defined enough anymore to merit this like rousing national anthem. Nonetheless, though, I think there's still like a majesty and a grand sense of scale with Linked Horizons compositions and performances they all basically sound like classical suites uh, like along the likes of like Beethoven um, and I think even though they do sound like patriotic anthems it just they perfectly capture how massive this world is and the story has become and I just think that's what's missing with this final OP. And I'm sure Linked Horizon has the ability to tailor their music or write a song that would fit the feel of the final season. Like mm -hmm. if you simply said, this needs to be more of a dark and moody song, I'm sure they would have pulled out something that would have met that expectation. Yeah, like uh, what uh, Seshomaru's <laughs> entrance to hell song. Oh, Seshomaru from, <laughs> from Inuyasha? What did I say? Seshomaru? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> I don't watch Inuyasha. Seshomaru. Seshomaru's theme song. Yeah. Carl thinks that it sounds like you are entering the gates of hell, which you're not wrong, but it is Seshomaru, so of course he's going to have a bougie-ass <laughs> theme song. <laughs> but in my notes, I put quote-unquote final op because this is i feel like there are very low odds of this happening but maybe linked horizon does make an appearance with a surprise third op a la code Geass. i'm just speculating it's probably not gonna happen but yeah i've heard nothing not, like not a peep from the the musicians themselves or even from MAPPA or the, the Attack on Titan production company um, about what their intentions are if they choose to include Linked Horizon one more time. Yeah, and, and to what you said earlier, I, I'm by no means ragging on the current OP. I think it's a great fit for part two of the final season and just the final season in general because, again, it, it's very on brand. It's very moody Aaron. Um, with that said, it feels way more modern than anything Linked Horizon came out with, which to me is a disconnect from the actual world that is Attack on Titan. It feels something more, not medieval, but um, something more historic. And this song feels more like early 2010s. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I, that's why I'm like, this doesn't feel like the time period it's supposed to be set in versus Linked Horizon stuff, which absolutely fit that time period. I mean, the year is only like 800-something, so well, I don't I know thought, why it's yeah. like moody rock music. <laughs> well, I think that's like the, the made-up year of parodies, right? Cause they... Well, yeah, and, but I'm saying, what I'm trying mm. to get at is like just if you look at the, the world itself, like it feels not medieval, but no, I know it, it feels yeah. older. In comparison to like Marley, which that has more of like that sort of 90s. 40s world war ii setting here yeah like, but even then like this song very much feels like i'm listening to something in like the late 90s early early 2000s yeah and I, I would say even even though i was very 
cold at first towards uh, My War, the first OP by Shinsei Kamate-chan. I feel like that too, it it was it still had managed to have some sort of orchestral feel alongside Linked Horizons. Uh, this one, I still dig it because it just gives me like these kill switch engage vibes. Um, but yeah, some something's missing about it, and I think part of it is what you're saying with it sounding a little bit too modern rather than like a like a like a film soundtrack i guess yeah like what you'd see at the the end credits of a movie or something Mm -hmm. um but with that you bring up a good point the previous op from part one it took a while for it to grow on all of us because it was very different than anything linked horizon came out with but i enjoyed it because it it felt weird in the same way that attack on titan just feels weird it feels different from Mm -hmm. a lot of other anime um it just it, the spookiness and the creepiness of the song was a great fit for the show kind of similar to that creepy ed from like season two or that three that they also did shinsei kamate-chan also performed that oh yeah that's right ED. well there you go <laughs> that explains it <laughs> but moving on to the visuals of the op this is just mappa pulling out their jujutsu kaisen op techniques to flex on everybody again mm-hmm. this feels like when i watch it this feels like the second op from jujutsu kaisen like the slow-mos the moodiness yeah. the like almost rotoscoping or maybe it is rotoscoping no, it is definitely rotoscope now don't get me wrong it's this is a really really well done op very different from the other ops from seasons one through three but just intense intense as fuck without it being a lot happening on screen like those first ops from seasons seasons one through three had an intensity because you were bombarded with flashes of like scouts flying around and titans and spoilers left and right here it's slow-mo for everything but it's so well done um that i just i felt i felt hype going into the episode just watching this thing yeah, I mean, most of the shots you get are of the Marley invasion on Paradise that we see in this first episode. Um, the rumbling of the Titans, you see all of these. I don't know if they're like the actual colossal Titans, but I'm sure the Titans that broke free of the walls um, as they ravage through Paradise's various uh, districts, or I think it's Shiganshina. Um, you get the nine warrior Titans, a flash of their users and the powers, although you don't see the founding Titan even though Aaron's in possession of that one. We still don't know what that looks like, right? Like yeah. by itself. Because obviously Aaron takes on the Attack Titan form even after getting the Warhammer. Mm-hmm. But we don't. We still don't know what the, the Founding Titan would look like on its own, right? Yeah, you only see like storybook images of, of the Founding Titan, but never its actual form um, when it manifests in the world. Uh, and then you get flashbacks of the Scouts and the main trio um so yeah there's a lot of varied shots here you get annie can we talk about that for a second we got annie she popped up like what the fuck and it looks like it's her outside of her crystal shell which is weird to me because i thought that a lot of the images from the other titan shifters were flashbacks because you see Bertolt and then like Mm -hmm. you know blood drips down onto armin and then it shows the colossal titan obviously signaling that that change of uh titan shifter but yeah, it's just weird that like there's crystals around her and when she's breathing into her hands, you can see her breath indicating it's like cold in the room that she's in. I don't know. Yeah, I'm wondering if it's if this is just a spoiler um, of her breaking out of the shell and in that same dungeon that Armin was speaking to her in. 
I, I mean, I would hope by the end of this story, she does come out of the crystal at some point. Like, I would mm-hmm. like closure on that part of the story because she won in that crystal in season one. Yeah. And never fucking came back out. <laughs> like, I remember I'm done with this. my uh, one of my former coworkers, uh, he reads the manga but wasn't watching the anime. And so we were talking about um, Attack on Titan when the first part of the final season premiered. And I was asking him, I'm like, without spoilers, like, is there anything interesting in the manga that like I should look forward to? And he just looked at me and said, Annie's still in the crystal. And we don't know what the fuck's going on. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> so here we are in part two, and she's still in the crystal, and we still don't know what the fuck is going on. There is one more shot in this OP where it's Aaron in his attack titan form, and I think he has his hands like about to grasp what looks like Annie's crystal. And so... Obviously, with him having the Warhammer Titan power now, I'm sure he's going to use that to break her free and possibly get answers out of her. Or or just eat her. So he has the, the female, female Titan, titan which mm-hmm. is interesting. He's just collecting he's a male. <laughs> all the Titans. Yeah, I gotta catch them all. Stones. <laughs> I, I, I'm surprised he hasn't already, now that we think about that, because Armin knows where Annie's being held. I'm pretty sure everyone in the Scouts probably knows where Annie's being held, because um, someone needs to be on guard duty at all times. So... If it's supposedly in the same jail cell that Aaron was in um, or in the vicinity, I'm surprised he didn't just immediately beeline for her and just crack her open and eat her. Unless he's well, waiting for the jaw titan to actually eat her. Oh, yeah. That's what I meant, that he has the jaw titan power to, to break the crystal. Did I say Warhammer? I meant jaw titan. Well, he doesn't have it, though, yet because Galliard still has the, oh, the jaw titan. okay. I'm getting all my titans But I confused. would assume that the Warhammer titan probably could crack into the crystal. Yeah, if it's same of the, made of the same sort of material. Although he has a hardening ability as well, so he could use that to Yeah, I don't the, know. Unless well, it's because see. she's in a dungeon and you can't just transform into a but titan. With the Warhammer, he can. Remember, that's how he got out in the first place. And he met Flock, and then he was naked, and then they gave him his jacket, and then the whole jacket scene played out. Oh, that's true. Well, either way, we'll we'll hopefully find out by the end of these next 12 episodes. But before we move on to the ED, is there anything else you want to mention about the OP? Yeah, a couple more images I wanted to point out from the OP is, you. I think you briefly see this, this tree of life imagery with Emir, which I think was also prevalent in a lot of the visuals uh, leading up to this uh, second half of the final season. It just reminded me of how many times I've seen this tree symbolism throughout the show. Uh, if you recall, I think the very first episode, Aaron's he wake, or Aaron wakes up from a dream while he's lying under a tree. Um, oh, yeah. Also, as I was rewatching the first half, uh, when Aaron infiltrates Marley and battles the warhammer titan at one point the warhammer titan impales him and it's in the shape of a like a tree form as well and i'm pretty sure in the ed of the first half of the final season you also see this tree so this tree is starting to become more prevalent um i think those were all little pepperings of hints as to the significance of this symbol um and I think even in this episode when we see Zeke in that realm of what he calls like the, the realm of paths, the, the streaks in the sky, which are kind of like remind me of like Aurora Borealis or whatever, they also represent, they look like branches of a tree. Um, so I'm wondering how this is going to kind of factor into the the story of this, this final half. Um, one other 
symbol that I noted is actually the 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 butterfly at the end, which like its wing is broken off. A titan stepped on it, didn't it? Yeah, and thankfully, like we we talked about these OVAs and we watched them because if you remember in Mikasa's OVA, there was a butterfly that was also prevalent there. Yeah, and before she's like going into her dream sequence. Yeah, and yeah, there are. There are so many things that you have to take note of with Attack on Titan, from from the writing to the dialogue to imagery, and so I'm very curious what this bu- uh, butterfly means because I think I was reading stuff online at the butterfly. Obviously, it's symbolic of like the butterfly effect, or people call it like the chaos theory, where if you kill a butterfly, it can set so many other things in motion. Um, so, kind of coinc or seeing how that relates to the ending of Attack on Titan is interesting. Maybe I'm just reading into it too much, but no detail should be left unturned. No stone should be left unturned, I guess. Yeah, especially in this show, of all shows. Last thing I want to bring up about this OP, um, I know we've talked about it for quite some time, but it's interesting that they have English lyrics with this one. I think similarly to My War, the first OP. Um, Although it's like insanely impossible to understand what the fuck they're saying in the yeah, first, uh, yeah. the first OP of the final <laughs> season. Um, and there's a they released the OP on YouTube, and if you put on uh, closed captioning, you'll see the English translation, and so you can sing along with it if if you feel like it. <laughs> if you feel really moody and angsty. Yeah, and it seems that this is sung from Aaron's perspective. Um, I think the lyrics talk about the singer not never intending to be a king king um so similar i guess with aaron he never really intended to lead a movement or to incite violence he he's there simply to to change the world um and every time i hear this song i think of our friend aaron from under the bun uh because if you didn't know aaron is part of a band i don't know what genre you would classify it as but i guess like heavy metal metal. yeah heavy metal um it called from those ashes so (laughs) part of me was thinking maybe from those ashes could do a cover of this song do it aaron do a cover of this song (laughs) so now on to the ed which i surprisingly enjoyed a lot enjoy a lot present tense i guess um i think the song is really really not like powerful um but it's it's simple and it kind of has this feeling of like hope, mm-hmm. uh, which is different than every other fucking Attack on Titan song we've ever gotten, and and maybe that's because we're nearing the end of the the story, um, and everyone's kind of looking towards the future. But I was surprised at how pleasant this song sounded compared to everything else we've ever gotten. Yeah, like you said, it's a very different song. It, it's very ethereal, and unexpected it subverts expectations guys (laughs) and Uh, i really appreciate that the visuals don't you know i assume don't spoil anything we'll probably look back on this ed after the story closes out and be like wow it told us the whole fucking ending um but it's just aaron as a kid and then just like shots of him when he gets older and then that's it no yeah it's, it's very abstract um and Going back to the song, it's it seems like it's a reflection of like Aaron's thoughts, like his convictions and his choices to to live freely. And you see symbolism of that with Aaron's initial shot 
where it's him as a young boy and he's wearing the red scarf that he gave Mikasa and then it flies off of his neck and turns into a bird I guess kind of symbolizing like that yearning for freedom um, I also took it like he's walking through these fields of flowers and the way I look at fields of flowers it's like that's an example of like frolicking through freedom because you see people like even the sound of music um whatever julia julia andrews's character's name is oh yeah maria yeah. i don't remember but like she it reminds me of that shot of her in the beginning where she's just twirling around in the fields yeah although it's interesting because the opening shot of aaron as you mentioned when he has his red scarf on he's holding the bloody knife i think that's like right after it's trying to symbolize him in that moment where he killed those two bandits that were trying to kidnap Mikasa. Mm -hmm. And the the blood drops onto the flower. So I, I almost kind of thought it was imagery of Aaron walking through like the field of like bodies that have been sacrificed to get him to where he is mm. now. And then with the bird, it, it flies to the sky and then suddenly this cage kind of forms around it and it can't fly any higher. Um, I think that symbolizes his constant yearning to break free of whatever the fuck he's going through. <laughs> he just wants to be free. <laughs> I interpreted it as the, the bird representing these Eldians who have lived for so long in isolation, um, being locked within these walls, not knowing the outside world. And that's what this like glass-domed barrier is representing. And it's, I think... Aaron feels that it's his duty to, to break through that barrier. And part of me kind of intertwines this with like the the wings of freedom, that emblem of the scouts, um, representing what what they represent to parodies is again like exploring the outside world and truly putting their freedom to the fullest. Um, and then you have all the interesting shots of it looks like parodies, like certain districts it looks like the capital but they're all in ruins almost like this is an alternate reality of the world too or is it symbolizing that it all is abandoned because either the eldians all die in the end or maybe they left the island mm. it, this this ed shows us so much but so little at the same time that even in just this moment you and i have completely different theories about mm -hmm. what all the images mean it's crazy and then, yeah, you have older Aaron um, disappearing in that bluish flame at the very end. What does that mean? Oh, spooky. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious to see if anyone else has any thoughts about the OP or the ED, what they symbolize. And maybe once the entire season, the entire series has concluded, we can look back at these and see what exactly they were hinting at, if anything. Yeah, it's going to be great. Maybe in the future here on Strictly Anime, we'll do an Attack on Titan rewatch or something. That'll probably be uh, a long time from now, but either way, this is going to be a wild ride. Mm -hmm. So let's jump into the wild ride of episode 76 itself, because in the first scene, the very opening scene of this episode, returning us back to the world of Attack on Titan, your boy got wrecked. My guy, my boy, look what they have done to my boy. I feel like <laughs> <laughs> all my husbandos recently have been just getting put through like the ringer the, yeah the ringer <laughs> yeah i mean that opening shot is odm gear with fingers and i'm like did did levi lose his fingers like are those severed fingers because they're both pointing in different directions no yeah that's definitely a result of 
of Zeke's thunder spear explosion. I mean, to be fair, he did blow up literally. Like mm-hmm. he looks fucked up. Holy <laughs> shit. Um, but he's obviously, and I say that hesitantly, but obviously not dead if mm-hmm. Hanch didn't freak out and, and, you know, she was acting kind of sus towards Flock and those other guys. Um, so my assumption is that he's still alive, but probably barely clinging on to life. Yes, for the love of God, please, please don't die, Levi. <laughs> and yeah, Hanja's reaction to refusing to let Flock see Levi's true, con- or like his condition, is very telling of of his status. And even with Hanj using um, everyone gawking at Zeke as a distraction to pull both her and Levi into the river, obviously it seems like she's trying to rescue him or at least get him some medical attention. Yeah, and I have to say, of all of the friendships or relationships in Attack on Titan, I know people really love the main trio, Eren, Mikasa, and Armin. A lot of people really love the 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 sub-main trio of Jean, Connie, and Sasha. I really love Hanj and Levi's friendship. And I say friendship with air quotes because I, I think the friendship piece can be uh, up in the air for Levi. But to me, it's one of my favorite relationships in Attack on Titan because Levi gets annoyed all the time by Hanj and her crazy schemes. Um, and Hanj, you know, ignores Levi all the time. But they've always had each other's backs. I think that's the one mm-hmm. thing about them that I really appreciate is that as much as they appear to not be aligned, they actually are aligned most of the time. And here we see that more so than ever when Hanj is a real one protecting Levi, even at the the cost of potentially her own life. Um, and with that said, though, fuck Flock. Like, I, I forgot yeah, about that little that shit. Guy. I forgot about this little <laughs> shit until he popped up on screen wanting to pop a bullet in Levi's head. And I was like, fuck Flock, dude. I, I cannot believe we still have to deal with this little shit. Or especially when he said... Uh, I think he's like, our biggest threat is a bloody mess. It's like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> you you hated Aaron like prior to season four, and now you're like sucking Jaeger's dick. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. And speaking of dicks, that's a fantastic transition <laughs> oh to the next moment in the opening uh, sequence where um, for the first time, question mark, we see a Titan shifter using another Titan to heal themselves and steam getting sucked inside the Titan. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could be overlooking a detail, but this might be the first time. Um, and out walks uh, butt naked Zeke and we are blessed with some Zeke booty. Yeah, like. Christ coming out of his tomb on Easter. (laughs) I'm sure that was intentional. Obviously, there's bigger things at play here, but Zeke is just like, I'm on full display and I don't give a shit because I just came back from who who knows where and Mm -hmm. my mind is is fucked right now. Um, But Zeke essentially tells us that he was in Paths and that this girl that he was with um, for however long he conceived it to be um, re-sculpted his body and we see her actually taking sand and re-sculpting his body. And so my question here is, is Zeke implying that this girl sculpted his dick too when she re-sculpted his body? Because <laughs> she had to, right? She she had to have sculpted his dick in his ass when she recre- <laughs> recreated his body. And like, I'm kind of wondering if he asked her to give him a bigger penis in the midst of all that. I mean, are these fair questions or are they not? You're looking at me like, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, they're valid questions, but... I, you know, I think it's a given that she'd have to 
craft all the body parts. <laughs> or she could have skipped the dick. She's like, you're probably not going to use that. You're going to die in a year anyway when your contract is up. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but anyway, that's that to me is probably going to be the biggest question that goes unanswered in Attack on Titan uh, is how his dick got repaired by this girl who sculpted <laughs> his body <laughs> like, oh i thought you're gonna say the biggest question is who is this girl and no. what is this realm <laughs> there are bigger <laughs> questions here okay, okay. i need well, answers well my yeah, i are... need answers <laughs> well maybe one of our listeners can address that for you but my my biggest questions <laughs> are what is this realm and who is this girl and like i've been theorizing that it's emir um and this realm actually we've seen before um, with the the character Emir from season two, the brunette one. Yes, not not the original girl who who ha- had the deal with the devil and the blonde one. I think yeah. that's the easiest way to describe them is the blonde Emir and the brunette Emir. Yeah, the the Emir that was friends with Historia basically. Um, she was also transported to this realm after she had consumed Marcel, um, who was the original Jaw Titan back when the initial. Um, infiltration into Paradis was executed. Um, so now we're getting full circle on on this this area, and I'm sure this will be explored later on too. So Titan shifters can go to this area. I, one of my questions that came up when you and I were talking about this before recording is whether multiple Titan shifters can be in paths at the same time. And that's going to be an open-ended question until we get through more of part two. But I'd like to see if it's possible if two or three or all of them can get pulled into paths and interact. I don't know. It'll be interesting. But on a more serious note about Zeke's reveal, um, I have to give mad props to his voice actor, um, who is, uh, of course, Dio's voice actor from Mm -hmm. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I'm pulling up... um, his uh, voice actor's name here because I want to give him credit. Oh, I, I picked season one. Did he even appear in season one? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh, Takahito Koyasu who Thank voices you. Zeke. He killed it in this scene. His opening line, um, so when Flock asks him, you know, what happened, and Zeke simply says he doesn't remember, the way he says that he doesn't remember is so creepy. Like, his mind is just, like, gone. It's like... His mind is somewhere else now that he's been healed by by Emir. And and the whole dialogue between Zeke and Flock um, is so spooky to me, coupled, you know, Zeke's voice acting coupled with the background music that's happening here. Like, I don't know, something has happened to Zeke. Something major has happened to him after almost dying and then being rebuilt. And I'm so curious to see if there's a major shift in his character after this moment, because it was just so, it was just so creepy and left a tingle down my spine when he started speaking. And I'm like, "What is wrong with Zeke? What the fuck happened to this guy?" And they particularly focused on his eyes, so you can visually see like his eyes are like look brighter, like they've changed color from whatever his regular eye color was, almost as if he was enlightened. And I think a similar thing happened in the past with. Um, whoever was passed down the or whoever inherited the founding titan powers when with studios animation if you remember it used to be like purpley eyes with um lines coming out of them and i think the same thing happened with emir so it's like this is symbolic of these wielders reaching some form of enlightenment or like having their <laughs> having their 
inner eyes open to something beyond comprehension maybe that's why aaron is so moody and calm now because <laughs> they show his eyes all the fucking time and his eyes i mean his eyes have always been bright since season one um but they continue to get crazier and crazier as the episodes go by so after the op ends we don't miss a beat here as we're thrown right back into the fight between aaron and reiner and there's other people there too but you know the main event yeah. is aaron versus reiner um, and honestly, after spending some time away from Attack on Titan and kind of thinking about what we were left with at the end of part one, it's kind of hard to fully root for the Eldians when most of them here in this episode are actually the Jaegerists who betrayed the scouts. Like, I kind of, I'm kind of conflicted on, on who I'm really rooting for at the end of the day here. Obviously, I'm still Team Aaron. I'm not Team Reiner in this situation, but Part of me also is rooting for Reiner because the poor guy just wants to die, but I kind of feel bad for him after learning more about his backstory. So I don't know. Do you feel as conflicted as I do? Well, I think the, the Jaegers are just a bunch of idiots. <laughs> <laughs> like even watching them glide through the air and, and try to fight back the Marlian threat, they were pretty useless. They were just a bunch of Titan fodder. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm still team Aaron um, because I especially I think we're going to discuss this later. I think he has something else in play that is different from what Zeke and Yelena are expecting of him. But yeah, sometimes it, it I think at this point of the story, it's hard to know who to root for. Um, yeah, I was just watching this whole thing play out and I'm like, uh, am, I, am I rooting for Aaron in this moment? Am I rooting for Reiner? Because I don't necessarily want Reiner to get his ass whooped because I kind of, I, I still hold out hope that Reiner will do something to redeem himself. Um, and I'll, I'll mention this a little bit later when we get into like the throes of their fight, but there's a part of me that that still feels sympathetic with Reiner. Like a lot of people, I hated his guts when he dropped that huge bomb on us about him being the um, the armored titan and Bertolt being the colossal titan, which is to this day still one of the most insane things that have ever happened in anime. Mm -hmm. But as we learn more about him and that he actually does feel remorseful for what he had to do, um, I don't know, like, I kind of want him to just get a W at some point because he's at a point where he just wants to kill himself. He just wants to end hero and, and die peacefully, but he can't even have that. So, yeah, my question there is, like, what do you think Reiner's aim is in all of this? He knows that the Marleans are, um, like, their propaganda is shit. He knows that the Eldians that he's met through his infiltration are just are good at heart. And so he's just very conflicted. And that's just led to him having these these mental breakdowns. So, like, why do you think he is so adamant about stopping Aaron at this point? I don't know. I don't know why he's doing this plan to infiltrate uh, the island. And, and I don't know why he's... Do you think he, it's just a death wish? <laughs> like his own death wish? Well, that wish? was one theory. Yeah, I'm kind of like, is he so willing to get his shit rocked by Aaron because this is actually secretly an out for him? Like, he's like, if I die, I can finally die. <laughs> like, yeah. if I am killed, I can finally die. What is that? <laughs> that that meme from anime? People die when they are killed. <laughs> like, that's, that's part of my theory. Um, but in all seriousness, I, I really don't know. I kind of hope that it was an excuse to get Reiner back to the island so that you know, in, in the, the last final minutes of his story, he kind of changes sides and helps parodies. Like some sort of redemption by betrayal thing where he turns mm. on Marley in order to 
you know, help Aaron, help the Eldians or the Scouts, and ultimately redeem himself um, in some way. That That's what I'm holding out hope for, but I don't know how realistic that is. I think he says something along the lines of, uh, to Aaron, he, he just wants to end everyone's suffering. And I'm just really interested in uh, the context of what he means by ending everyone's suffering um, and why stopping Aaron is is part of that so yeah and we'll revisit this in a in a bit when we kind of get to that part of the episode because that that has my wheels turning there there's some thoughts I I have there um but going back to the earlier part of the episode um it switches again to this battle Reiner's coming down from the sky all this shit's going down um and then I am reminded at how ugly Peak's Titan is. I'm sorry, but <laughs> Peak has the ugliest Titan of all the Titans. It's so nasty looking. Like, it's even uglier without the equipment that it has on, like it usually has on. Just seeing it bare is is kind of disturbing. <laughs> and I also kind of like how Galliard um, cuts her hand instead of the chain when yeah. she asks for help. Like, okay. <laughs> for a fleeting moment, I was I was titillated. <laughs> but then you're like, oh shit, she can just turn into a titan and regenerate. Yeah, but I was just glad to see her writhe in pain for that split second. I, <laughs> Sorry, I was, Peek Sims out there. <laughs> I was not glad to see um, Gabby get out of there unscathed. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. We'll see what happens with her story. But what I did find interesting before the official battle starts is that Yelena comes out and instructs Aaron to hide underground using the Warhammer Titan powers and he straight up ignores her. Like just mm-hmm. looks at her and walks off. And I kind of wonder, does she think she's got a hold on Aaron since all of her plans have been, you know, going off without a hitch? I, I feel like this is a reality check for her, a good reminder that Aaron does what he wants. Literally no one can tell Aaron what to do. And if they try to, it usually turns out really bad for them. And I think this reinforces a later point that Armin brings up about Aaron is is does Aaron really buy into this propaganda that Zeke and Yelena are feeding to him? And here's one example of of that uh, being proven wrong, is that Aaron, he don't give a fuck what Yelena says. <laughs> Liana? Yelena, what did I say? Oh, I don't know. It sounded like you said Liana. Maybe. Yelena? <laughs> roll, roll the tape back. But yeah, he, he ignores Yelena's um, request and just goes into the field fighting. And it's interesting because you, you get a little bit of Aaron's um, thought process in here and he says like he knows that Reiner probably pled um, the Marleyan military to do this infiltration mi- mission earlier than expected and so it's like Aaron has like he's thinking three chess moves ahead and so that's why he's completely disregarding whatever Yelena says to him because he has a plan in mind and speaking of Aaron's inner thoughts in this moment um, when he's approaching Reiner and seeing the surprise attack and, and all of that. Um, I feel like this is as eerie as Zeke from the opening scene. Like this has got to be the calmest we have ever heard Aaron during a battle, which further signals his insane character development that we talked many times about in our review series of part one of the final season. This is just another moment that reminds us that this is not the same Aaron that we knew from the first several seasons. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was like he, he usually has some level of energy to him going into a battle. Here he was just like flat out calm, like dead calm um, as he's approaching, watching all of these soldiers drop from the sky, watching Reiner drop from the sky, knowing that Peak and, and Galliard are still out there. 
I, I was thoroughly impressed at how he handled that situation. And I just want to call out how epic that shot was of Aaron. Like you, his back is to the camera, but he's looking at all of these uh, parachuting sh- uh, soldiers coming down. Like very, very artistic shot, I want to say. And then I'm just reminded like with Reiner parachuting in, it's very reminiscent of the very first episode of this final season um, where it also starts off with a battle. It was a very, uh, oh, shit, here we go again moment. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was literally the same thing. He's wearing the same mm-hmm. outfit with those ugly-ass goggles. I'm like, what the hell, man? <laughs> yeah, but who knows if the battle is going to go in their favor this time. One more thing I want to call out with this battle is the the action sequences. And I know this was a major pain point for a lot of fans. Um, when MAPPA was announced as the animation studio for the final season, and like the the battle looked great, don't get me wrong. Like watching Aaron and Reiner duke it out in their Titan forms was was still awesome. But I think even though there's they still are a visual feat, they don't have the same wow factor as the battles that we've seen in the Wit Studio days. And especially with seeing the the Jaegerists in their ODM gear. Really quick, you're not talking CGI wise, you're just talking in general. The, yeah. the level, like the grand scale of the fights, right? Yeah. And CGI aside, again, like that's just going to be a given now that we've seen um, MAPPA at work with this final season. And I think a lot of these sequences probably couldn't have been achieved were it not for CGI. But going to, again, back to the example of these Jaegerists in their ODM gear gliding through the air, like they also didn't feel as breathtaking and as exhilarating as watching the scouts in certain sequences from the previous three seasons, like going through the air. Like there was something so artistic about it. Here it just feels kind of like manufactured, almost like the Marvel movies can kind of feel sometimes. Do you think that's because they're Jaegerists and not scouts? I wonder in the next episode when the scouts come out, if it'll have more of that grand feel to it. Although, to be fair, in part one of the final season, it still didn't have mm-hmm. that that scale that Wit Studio gave us. And it's interesting, us coming fresh off of the OVAs, because even in the OVAs, mm-hmm. the way they animate Levi going through a city with his ODM gear when he's not even fighting Titans was so incredible compared to what we saw with MAPPA. Yeah, and it probably just boils down to art direction. And like I said, MAPPA is doing a great job with what they were given with this final season. But I even think um, after re-watching the first half, I watched a video that Giguk did about um, Attack on Titan, like a retrospective. And it was after he had watched the first half of the final season. And he even said to like, as as great as MAPPA has been doing with, with Attack on Titan, there's just something missing with the visual thrill of some of these action sequences. Yeah, I I agree. I do want to just make a quick note about the CG. Um, As you know, here at Strictly Anime, we do not like CG in anime unless it's a JoJo OP. (laughs) That's the Hmm. only time we like CG. Um, However, I will give props to MAPPA because the CG in this episode looks much more improved than what we got in the first part. Yes. I, I will I will give them that. I, I think it would be unfair to say that the CG looks the same or worse than it did in the first part. It does look improved. However, it's still not great. 
you can tell when the the Jaegerists are flying around. I'm like, that's CG. Like my my mm -hmm. eye goes there. It rips me out of the immersion. It's just it's 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 CG. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. It's CG. Yeah. At one point, you see one of the characters kind of like shift their body, and I was looking at their face in particular, and it something about it seemed unfinished. I don't know. Like just robotic. Yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. So then moving on with um, the events of this battle, we see Gabby and Peak in Titan form reach, um, I think, Magath and Falco's brother. Colt. Um, Colt, yeah, and some other people. And we get that shot of Magath uh, hugging. It's hard, hard to say that. Magath hugging Gabby, <laughs> which I will be honest, is a very precious moment. Not because of Gabby, because fuck Gabby, but because <laughs> Magath is hugging an Eldian, mm -hmm. showing that despite being a Marleyan, he actually does have some sort of emotional connection with these Eldians that he's spent so much time with. So it could have been any of the other ones. It could have been Falco. It still would have been a precious moment. Um, but yeah, I think that that was important to note. It was very small. It was very quick. But it is super important to note that here a, a Marleyan commander was so happy to see one of the Eldians. Like there, That to me is foreshadowing for something bigger at play because i feel like this war is super messy now uh, as far as what side is which yeah it's it's great character development for someone that you would normally see as an antagonist um i think magath has realized how many lives have been lost since aaron wrecked havoc in liberio and in marley and so he's starting to hold the lives of those closest to him dear um as a result yeah and i wonder if we'll get more of this um as as the last couple of episodes here move on because again there's there's so much gray area here as to who's on whose side and the marley army is kind of like in a shit show right now as it is um and even peak acknowledges in the beginning of this episode that she may not trust marley but she trusts the people that she's fought alongside um so yeah we'll we'll see how that all plays out but uh, speaking of Peak, I'll never get used to her Titan voice. It is so weird to me, um, especially hearing kind of the the Godzilla-like voices that some of the other Titans have. Um, this here is just, I don't even know how to describe it, like auto-tuned or something. <laughs> yeah, like she's speaking through some distorted voice recorder you know those fucking tiktoks where like they have um they, someone uses like a voice disorder where it makes their voice all shaky and stuff yeah. that's what that sounds like minus the shake yeah i can i can kind of hear that <laughs> <laughs> um but she does have her her big brain moment yet again and basically figures out that aaron can't use the founding titan without some sort of trigger well, it's thanks to fucking Gabby. Well, yeah, I was yeah. going to say that too, that <laughs> Gabby then takes that a step further and fucks things up by telling them that it's probably because of Zeke's royal blood because of some conversation that she heard on the blimp or whatever. So now everyone puts two and two together that what triggers Aaron's founding titan ability is the royal blood. I'm like, well, God damn it, Gabby and P. <laughs> and I think this just further complicates things because I think initially Armin and the scouts want to prevent zeke and aaron from meeting and now that's exactly what marley's goal is too that's a really good point do, do we see them coming together at some point to help each other prevent the two of them from meeting that that's that's an interesting theory not theory but like an interesting uh tidbit you picked up on but then again they're marleyans and so 
like the scouts obviously want to work against everyone that's against parodies. Unless Falco comes into play and, and convinces them otherwise, because Falco tried to do that multiple times with Gabby, and then Gabby got his ass, I don't know, in all sorts of trouble. Yeah, this this war is just becoming much more complicated. Yes, yes, it is. Um, but yeah, continuing on, Reiner gets his uh, shit rocked yet again by Aaron in this fight, at least for the most part. Um, and then we see some Warhammer Titan abilities. Magath tells us that the Warhammer Titan is powerful, but its power exhausts quickly, which is interesting. Um, Aaron tells, uh, sorry, Reiner tells Aaron, or I guess in his inner monologue, that everyone's suffered enough already. You've suffered enough already. And I'm like, come on, Reiner. You're telling us that you want to be redeemed. You're, you're worried about Aaron's well-being. You want to be redeemed. You can do it. Please, just do it. He also says that Aaron isn't a threat by himself, and I kind of I kind of question that because I'm like Reiner, how many times has Aaron beat your ass with just the Attack Titan, and now he has the Warhammer Titan too? Like I don't know, man. I think you're forgetting who you're up against here. You're up against a very angsty emo Aaron Yeager, <laughs> who has had plenty of time to think about this, um, and he he went in guns blazing by himself in in marley so like i said earlier i think he he's thinking three chess moves ahead kind of like lelouch in code geass yeah (laughs) so even with aaron getting put out of commission by the end of this episode i think he still has something up in his sleeve and there's a reason why he's not fighting back in his titan form yeah um and my one of my theories is that he's probably moving his body underground while reiner's impaling him because he does have the Warhammer Titan power and he can't, I'm guessing he can probably transfer his body down to like, you know, the ground, the way the mm. Warhammer Titan normally transforms. Um, but that's, that's just my theory. There's a shot though, where he hardens the nape of his neck as um, Galliard's approaching him. Although I think that was probably meant to show the spikes that impale both Galliard and Reiner. Well, I don't think... I don't think Aaron's underground yet because he's walking mm. around. You don't see the cord coming out from below. Yeah. But I'm guessing when he's standing still after he gets his brains blown out and like Reiner's impaling him, I wonder if at that point does he transfer his body underground using the Warhammer Titan powers. Oh, yeah. Or if he's using because he's up against that house, if he just sneaks out of the body. Yeah, he, he could <laughs> easily do that and then immediately the transform there. again and it's then like, just rock Reiner. See ya, guys. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to see. Um, the next episode is called Sneak Attack, so who the fuck knows? Ooh. But maybe that's because the scouts are going to do a sneak attack. But I do want to call out, and I'm trying to find it here in my notes. Um, after watching Titans fight for so long, I it was actually pretty jarring watching the Jaegerus get decimated by guns. For some reason, that, that took me by surprise. And maybe it's just because I, I don't always expect guns to be at play in Attack on Titan, but them getting wiped out on the rooftops by those soldiers they didn't see was, was I don't know, it kind of like hit me real hard. I didn't care. I liked seeing them. Well, I mean, I wasn't rocked. sad. Yeah, I wasn't <laughs> sad that they like died necessarily. I was just kind of like, wait, what the fuck? No, I think it was crazy to see with Marley just coming in guns blazing because they have such overwhelming firepower at this point against Paradis. Um, by land, by Titan, by air. Um, so even though I th- like, I think the Jaegerists, um, they got their pride knocked out of them because they felt, I think, 
invincible with um, Aaron leading their cause. And I think it also goes back to one of the first episodes of part one of the final season where the Marleans are talking about how Titans are becoming obsolete because technology is advancing. Mm-hmm. And here we see not only Aaron get his shit rocked by one of Peak's bullets, um, but also the scouts or the Jaegerists getting their shit rocked by guns, um, even though they're using their ODM gear. So that could also play into that. But now let's move into what is basically the the final core scene of this episode, which is the events that unfold in the jail when Onion Coupon goes down there to release all of them. I have to say right off the bat, poor Connie. Like I think of all of the dialogue that happened this episode, Connie's Connie's dialogue hit the hardest because mm-hmm. you can tell he's seriously hurt after so many people have betrayed the scouts. And he, he even names Annie um reiner and Bertolt. i don't remember who he says but he yeah, names no, them yeah. right Those and like three. it's just it's really sad um watching him tear up and just be frustrated with with onion Capone. is that how you say his name onion Capone. onion Capone. um because you can tell he probably does want to trust him he did trust him at one point but he's so distrusting of everybody at this at this moment that he doesn't know what the fuck to do and it's just interesting everyone is just fighting for different things um onion Capone mentions he wanted to fight side by side with parodies to, to defeat Marley. But then you, again, you have Zeke and Yelena who have a different motive for uh, defeating Marley that comes at the Eldian's expense. And yeah, I can understand Connie's frustration. Like everyone has their own skin in the game and it's to someone's either advantage or disadvantage. They were also talking a lot about um, not having kids and I know they've talked about this before, about euthanizing the Eldians, but here they're actually saying the words like not having kids, at least you know in the translations for the subs. And part of me is kind of like, is this discreet commentary on Japan's population declining because they're not having kids? Because mm. <laughs> even Onion Coupon says kids are the future. And I'm like, Believe hmm. the children are the future. And that wouldn't be, I mean, if that's the case, that, that wouldn't be the first time Attack on Titan has said something that's, um, you know, that's like discreetly commentating on, on something in the in in real world events but yeah it was just interesting that they they kind of shifted from talking about euthanasia to specifically like not being able to have kids when they want kids and i don't know something about the way that was done hits different than just saying like euthanized because i don't know like it's kind of sad to think that they can't have families they'll still be alive in theory but they can't ever have families yeah I mean, I think Connie was just putting it in layman's terms. That's true, because like, he's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know what euthanize means. He knows what not having kids means. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then we get Armin yet again being really good at reading people and situations. So it's no surprise that he believes um, Onyan Capone and figures that Aaron has another bigger plan at play that's separate from Zeke and Yelena. Which I think we were theorizing the same thing in uh, the first half like we were when we were reviewing those episodes is that even though Aaron's saying one thing his motives are another 100% yeah i i agree with armin that Aaron is not actually siding with Zeke and Yelena but is using them to be able to activate his founding titan powers um while keeping historia out of the drama of all that cuz he could just use historia but there's there's consequences um with that cuz she's pregers yeah <laughs> and 
we have to remember too, Armin is Aaron's longest and closest friend. He's known Aaron even longer than Mikasa has. Um, and like Hanj, Armin is a real one defending Aaron in this moment. So I, if there's one person I do trust, it would be Armin. Yeah, I'm kind of glad that we're reminded of how Armin is a good judge of character and an intelligent strategist in this scene. Because um, he's probably the one person in that room who can turn the tides for everyone to actually support Aaron, even though they're all currently holding a grudge against him. And I think this is where, like, the episode title, um, there's kind of like a like two plays on words with judgment. I think that relates to maybe Artman's, again, judgment of character, the way that he's judging Aaron's actions at this point, as well as with Marley raining hellfire on parodies. It's kind of like judgment day for them. Um, so just wanted to quickly make that note. And then Mikasa has a moment as well where you can tell she's so hurt by what Aaron said um, to her in one of the previous episodes. Um, but I, I still feel like he said all that stuff to her about hating her guts and all that to try and break her out of the Ackerman ways and allow her more freedom to think for herself. Um, because if it's true about the Ackermans, you know, f their instincts being to protect a certain person, I like to think that he is trying to push her to move past that and be a more independent thinker. And I think that's also visually symbolized because Mikasa is no longer wearing that scarf that Eren gave her. Yeah, and we see in the preview for the next episode, I think a shot of her folding the scarf. I imagine oh, maybe did. putting it away. Mm. Although she probably wouldn't go fighting with the scarf on anyway. So maybe she's just, you know, taking it off as she normally does. But we'll see in the next episode. Um, I also want to call out Connie and his huh when she was explaining <laughs> what she was thinking. He's just kind of like, huh? Kind of like <laughs> they the, bring that back. Yeah, from the train scene in the first half. <laughs> just oh, a reminder <laughs> yeah, that this guy is a dunce. <laughs> All right, so with all that said, let's talk about the preview. And all I can say is let's fucking go. The scouts are getting in on the action. Yeah, it's no longer the Clash of the Titans. Now we're getting more humans involved. Um, I just, I, I, I wanted to go into this final half blindly. Um, and then I forgot there were previews. Uh, <laughs> but one thing that I remember from watching one of the initial trailers for the second half is this shot of Yelena and she has like her arms outstretched. And I think there's a shot of like the Marlian airships and they look like they're on fire. So I'm very curious to see what that means. Um, and I don't know if this kind of, <laughs> if this is going to lead to Yelena's demise in some way, because honestly, I'm kind of sick of her character, but yeah. we'll see. I think you bring up a good point about wanting to go into this blind. Not only do we have previews, but they're starting to release episode titles a few episodes out and remember what happened in the first part with the episode yeah. title assassination assassin's bullet assassin's bullet whatever the fuck it was i was like oh my god something's going down so we all kind of called to a certain degree sasha's death um with that episode title so i'm hoping these episode titles are a little more i don't know are a little less revealing this time around but i did see one for not this next episode, obviously, which is called something, I don't remember. Sneak Attack? Sneak Attack, yeah. The one after that, I, I won't say what it is if you haven't seen it already, but um, it, oh, is, God. it spoils <laughs> me a little bit, but it also makes me super fucking hype for two episodes from now. So I can't wait to talk about that one. I'm like 
slowly scrolling down the Wikipedia Be careful. List <laughs> just to make sure, yeah, the next episode, episode 77, is Sneak Attack. There you go. And we do want to mention that for the next episode, we will be having a special guest on our Attack on Titan special event review series. So look forward to that. Um, we'll have someone uh, join us to talk about that episode and whatever sneaky attacks they're doing. So sneaky, sneaky. Hisoka is so sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> so this was a quite lengthy episode discussion, but now we have arrived at our final thoughts for Attack on Titan, the final season, episode 76, Judgment. And I think we're going to follow the same format that we did with our first half of the Attack on Titan special event. We're going to give each episode its own rating. So how many Zeke streaks out of 10 will you give this episode? Mm, I would give it an 8 out of 10, a solid 8 out of 10, um, because it's a very good episode, a fantastic way to reintroduce us to this final season. Um, but the the fight wasn't the climax that I was expecting it to be. It was more like the first part of the fight. I'm sure the climax will come in the next episode. Um, this felt more like kind of piecing us piecing some things together with Levi with the scouts in the jail and then what's going on with Aaron and Reiner um leading us into what'll probably have more resolution in the next episode as you like to call it it felt like a transitional episode Ooh, now we're in injecting that into our attack on Titan reviews. <laughs> it, it was still a, a complete banger it was still amazing um, has me so hyped for the rest of the season but I feel like there's going to be even better episodes that come out so I would say yes, 8 out of 10. What about you? I'm going to give it a little bit more credit. I will give it an 8.5 out of 10. Um, I thought it was a terrific return to the final season. I especially loved that it just promptly wrapped up loose ends from the previous half's cliffhangers, um, especially that we don't have to wait around to see the showdown between Reiner and Aaron, and we get semi-confirmation of Levi's status. And yeah, I guess to that end, I was just glad they threw us into the action from the get-go. Um, I guess the only real gripes I have about this is get the absence <laughs> of Link Horizon yeah. um, from from the music of the OP, um, the, the strange animation quality of the action sequences, Although, again, I want to emphasize that MAPPA is still doing a great job with this adaptation. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's just great to be back in the Attack on Titan mood and getting to experience this again week by week until the very conclusion is something that I will very much look forward to. And I just I can't wait for more, more, more. I feel like my phone is listening to me because I just got a Crunchyroll notification that says, the the enemy is right there. Can Paradise's defense hold? Stream it now on Crunchyroll, Attack on Titan final <laughs> season. Like, are you sure it'll work if I try? <laughs> are you listening to us right now? <laughs> I'm sure it's a, a, a notification that got sent out to everybody, but who knows? Maybe they're listening to me because we've been talking about Attack on Titan this entire time. Mm-hmm. But thank you, everyone, for joining us once again for our Attack on Titan special event. We are so glad to be back. We're so glad to have you back. And we're very excited for what this final season has in store for us. 
And that wraps up this special episode of Strictly Anime. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash the Strictly series and be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast service so you can be notified when new episodes premiere every Monday and when the new Attack on Titan review episodes are released every Wednesday. Follow us on Instagram at the Strictly series and on Twitter at Strictly series and connect with us there or on our website, thestrictlyseries.com to share your thoughts on the anime we review. You'll also find more info on Strictly Jojo, our other podcast dedicated to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb. Sasageo. Shinzo wo sasageo. Speaking of the Jägermeister, our pessimistic protagonist has pulled himself into a petty... Pre- oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you had it. You had it. <laughs>